welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. And we're on. Welcome back, everyone. It's Sunday, which means it is time for two things. One, football, but uh, the Eagles are playing Monday Night Football, so we have no worries there this week. But it is time for... Sunday Night Teacher Talk. My name is CJ Reynolds, and I host this show every week, which is basically um, comes out of the idea that, like, when I first started teaching, I, you know, Sundays, your stomach hurts, you can't sleep right, like, you got you're trying to figure out your life, your lesson plans aren't done yet. So I think that what we're doing here is creating a space for people to show up for, to get filled up with, like, whether it's confidence or motivation or inspiration or just connection, just to know that you're not the only one in the world dealing with the stuff that you're dealing with. This is where we're doing it. Um, the connections that people make here ripple out from here. So I, I think, dude, one of the things I think people should really be doing is connecting in the Facebook group and then going and lesson planning together. So like, so you're not having to do it all by yourself. Yeah, We're creating small groups. Um, yeah. Which we know a few do. Yeah. Uh, but so look, um, so the idea tonight is if you have any questions about anything, right? Like these are like, most people have some kind of uh, like screen name that is not the real name. So feel free to ask whatever it is that you're thinking about, wondering about, like, it's not going to get back to your school. You're not a bad person because you're not sure if you like all your students. Um, but what we're trying to do is create a safe space for you to be able to do that. I will not be the only person probably speaking to your questions. There will be other people in the comments section that will speak to them as well. And if you need anything else from us, you can go right to realrapwithreynolds.com. And, uh, oh, wait, that's the wrong one. You can go to realrapwithreynolds.com and you can find us uh, there and find anything that you might need there. I think the shed door is open. It's banging. I'll yeah, thanks. Um, while you're doing that, I'm going to tell everyone about this pumpkin that I found <laughs> that I just thought was hilarious. And you know why? Because it looks like a butt. Uh, I found this yesterday and I just think it is so funny. Um, and, but that's because I'm weird. Oh, oh gosh. I'm wondering how humor of a freshman. I do. My freshman year sense of humor is never ending. I'm kind of wondering how people's weeks have been. Mine, uh, it's been a hell of a two weeks back at school. We have had like, we've been moved to everything's supposed to be online, but the internet almost never works. Um, we've had seven teachers quit in the first two weeks of school. We've had, uh, Gosh, I forget what else. Like, it's just been new policies, tons and tons of new policies, procedures, things that need to be done, things that are are looked at. Uh, so yeah, there's all kinds of, it's all kinds of stuff going on. Um, the, the my goal that I'm working on though is protecting my peace. And so that's this that's what this means. This means protecting your peace. Um, <laughs> And in doing that, I am ensuring that no one else gets to just take my piece without my permission. So that's something that I'm, I'm thinking about working on and stuff like that. What you got, dude? Uh, someone asked why are teachers quitting? Teachers are quitting because I think um, there's a couple things. One, uh, teaching is never as easy or as like just immediately gratifying as everyone thinks that it's going to be. Two, I think it is all the new policies and procedures in place that are that when the school says do like these nine things every week then when we do those and you burn yourself out and then you can't actually show up and teach your students and then you get to the classroom and there's no internet anyway um and then and that leads to behavioral issues in the classroom because one day is okay and two days is uh pushing it but like after that it's like you're in the middle of a film clip or part of a movie or which is the same thing as a film clip um, or in the middle of a lesson that requires internet, then it's just, it's a mess. And so then some teachers were being asked to teach or being mandatorily teaching like six periods um, and not getting paid for it. And because like all like folks would quit and then the co-teachers by themselves and they never taught English before, but now they're in charge of a whole class. And so what are you going to do for two weeks? Just sit there. Um, it's really, it's, it's messy. And, and I, I'm holding on with the hope that like the messiness clears up um, and then just protecting my own peace, like I said, but when you're brand new, it's really hard to, to do that. And our our school has been under so many changes in the last few years too, that like, it was really like 
a lot of the stuff is like the straw that broke the camel's back. A lot of these like time, like seemingly little changes that are just aggravating enough that people are like, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else that has it together. And that's fine. I think that that's a fine move. If you, if your school is not the right fit for you, uh, if you don't think that it's, that it's a good school, then if you have the ability to quit and go somewhere that you, that you feel like is best serving students by all means. All right, our first question comes from John Fox. It says, before meeting, before meeting, my assistant principal asked about a student and said she was a quote unquote real brat, which, which aggravated me. <laughs> but I just said, oh, I haven't seen that. How would you have responded? You just curb his words. I did. I didn't. I didn't know. Censored I didn't it. want to say that. And they were on, we're from the street. Affected. Any, we have not everybody here. We got a lot got of folks pissed in off. Texas. Um, but I just said. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. I think it's curious, John, when people think that we're on the team that they're on, right? So, like, it's, like, even like that with all kinds of stuff. Like, when, like, I am find myself in some space or place with any, like, not always by choice, right? It's, like, you're with a large group and someone will make some sort of, like, misogynist like comment or some comment about race or some comment about kids or, you know, I don't know, like immigrants. And I'm just like, what in the world made you think that I was on the team that you're kind of speaking to right now? Like, bro. So I, I think that doesn't say anything about you, but I just think that it's curious to me when people will make these comments and I'm just like, why are you saying that? Um, I think it, it is, I don't know that there's any way to always respond to those sort of things. Like in the beginning, I think that what you said is fine. Um, but it's really doing more is, is sometimes when people say the things that they say, it puts us in the know of who they really are. So when, when you're going through that, it's sort of like, like noting that like, Oh, maybe you're not the person you're definitely not the person for me to go to with this particular student, but you, you are like, several layers down now like in terms of discipline like who i should go to first so i know there are people at my school that are in charge of culture and climate we call it but uh they that i would never go to like you're no way uh-uh so when when my when my girl cho worked at the school um cho was my number one there was only one other guy meeks that i would go to my my friend mr meeks um thanks buddy so they I'm sorry. I'm distracted because you put an enormous amount of cream. You just made that some Jedi oh, coffee over there. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> I appreciate you getting it. So it, it just puts me on the know of, of like whose team do I want to be on? So it's not always saying the thing back. Um, but because sometimes it, it catches you off guard too. But like it's uh, having a sense of like, okay, now I know who you are. So that's what I would. That's how I'd be filing that away. All right, Jacob. Ingram is asking, having issues with a ton of freshmen not ch not charging Chromebooks at home. When they were in middle school, they couldn't take them home. I can't always print everything. Should they get incomplete for unprepared? Yeah, so this is a really interesting conversation because, Jacob, I'm dealing with the same thing where everybody – and plus it doesn't help that, like, where you – the only place you can charge stuff in my room is either in the back – but I use both those plugs to turn on all the lights and all the stuff that's in my room, or I have a charging station, but that was built with cell phones in mind and not computers. So what kids are doing is they plug in there, then they sit on my couch and then they can't see the board or what we're doing. Um, and there's only so much space for people to go over there anyway. What I started doing was like, or I have guys that show up with no charger at all, right? Or that forgot their computer. So I send them, I send them out immediately. Um, and I send them to like the tech office and say like, look, you got to go figure it out. You can't show up without this stuff. But then I, you know, I, I, I think I do two things. One, don't figure out what to do about this on your own. I would talk to your team and see what other teachers on, you know, on your ninth grade team are dealing, are doing to deal with this, or what maybe the 10th or 11th grade team are doing, right? Those, those kids are going to be slightly more mature because they're older, but I would ask them how they're doing it, but you need to come up with like a, what are we going to do as a 
group to make sure this happens. And based on like how long the kids are on their computers and, and to what extent, like that's really going to affect their, um, their ability to like do work in other classes. So if they're on computers for five hours, first five hours of the day, like they're going to die by the end of the day. So we need to figure out a plan for that as a, as a community at school. For me, I'll tell you what, bro, like, because we stopped our, my internet is so infrequent. I changed almost everything back to uh, printing stuff out. Like, I know we were trying to go paperless, but it's like, if you're what we have our problem, I mean, not to, this doesn't really, well, you don't need to know about my school's internet problems, but like it just, the internet sucks. And so when it sucks and kids can't log in, they can't do the thing. It's not loading. Everyone's trying to stream at the same time. And it's a problem. Uh, I just got rid of it. And so I use that. If you missed class, the work is on Schoology, but I'm not using Schoology on a regular for this kind of stuff. So, yeah, but I would speak to your school and come up with like, we need to have a policy in place for what to do because printing stuff out, that also makes it hard to grade. And not everything you do on the computer, right, is like something that can be printed out. It's like doing work twice because someone didn't do their part. So that's what I would do. All right, next question. Little Space Freckles is asking, I'm finding that my students are too reliant on me. It is a lot of my kids, first time writing papers, etc. Oh, this is one out of four. One out of four, get um, it. Next part is, Freckles and I exclusive. find myself being pulled in 10 different directions as kids from every corner of the room ask for help. I'm overwhelmed in class to the point of almost being in tears. Um, thank you, masks. Yeah, oh, shit. All right, you're not done long. Sorry, sorry. It, it. it just dump, jumps all the way to the end. Um, all right, can you start speaking to that? I'm going to speak to the fact that okay. masks are great, too, because the other day, I don't know how I did it. Did I tell you this? Oh, here's I rode to school, and I realized I forgot to brush my teeth. What? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how. Like, yeah, it's I, a I, part of my, my, my morning routine got thrown off. I didn't brush my teeth. And I was like, thank God for masks. So even when I was just hanging out with my friends, like in my room, it would be like just me and Kayla planning. I still wore my mask because I was like, I can't. I'm like the, <laughs> like I just, it's math. And thank um, God. So here's the other part. She says, so how do I, I work on having kids call me less? So I'm not running um, to every kid for every little thing. We already do peer reviews. Uh, I, I super feel the tiny changes things and not having tech. That matches on these. Okay, I think that's all of them. So, Freckles, we last week we did a uh, we did a project on Google Slides. We did the, our Life Mac project that we start every year with, and it's really so basic and so simple. But what I'm finding is that students don't pay attention to what I'm saying. Students aren't following the directions that anyway, even if they do pay attention. Um, and everyone knows less about tech than I. think think they do like I always feel like the kids have like this like they grew up with the internet they grew up with technology they grew up with swiping that's what they basically grew up with they didn't grow up with like navigating websites or using online tools and if they did it was very specific so what I would do is one of two things um I have a friend that when he's giving direct instruction he makes tiny little videos right they're not fancy it's not like a YouTube video or something like that they're very very simple um, videos and he puts them on Schoology and then the kids can watch it. And if they have a question, you know that you already talked about that. It's a great question. Go watch the second video again and then you'll be able to find it. If you have questions after that, come and call me and I'll come over. But then they, the, so you're not saying the same thing over and over again. You're, you're sending kids to like a video that takes no longer that like you could even cut out you giving directions in class and having kids do that. I have another friend, Omar, that uh, he he records his whole pre-class. So anything he wants the kids to do in the beginning, the video just plays. He doesn't have to say it. Now he's doing attendance and he's doing kickboard points and he's doing all kinds of other things in the classroom um, instead of direct instruction. And the kids know that when the video is playing, they have to pay attention because he's not going to rewind it. So that helps as well. And then I think it is little like look i know there's a lot of worry around learning loss i know there's a lot of worry around like not moving fast enough and people have like a certain curriculum that they have to like hit certain markers at certain times i just think it, i mean if i went back 
and did this project again that we did last week that the kids really struggled with, or some of them did, it's really like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this step. And when everyone's, when you're done that step, I'll come around and check. And then you can move on to the next step then, but you cannot move on until I say so, because there's, you're making all these decisions that are wrong. And then you're handing in this project that looks like crap uh, because you didn't follow directions. And so I think it's when we're doing this, when we're making these tiny little videos, which is something I might even actually do next year, it is doing it. And that is allowing students to move at their own pace. It's allowing them to hear something again, if they want to, and no one even knows about it. So they don't have to ask a question and feel stupid. So it's like that sort of thing. And then going like little tiny steps. So that's how we're kind of working this out. So right now, even my do nows are only three sentences in the beginning of class, because I'm just concerned that kids can't write five sentences and i know that's where we are and i could get all upset about it and stuff like that like as a society we're only like how can we not write five sentences but bro i'm just meeting you where you are and then we're gonna rig it to get to where you win because if you think about this also what you're saying to one kid is probably the thing you're gonna say to the next kid and the next kid and the next kid and the next kid um and if i mean i know covid messes this up but like in in a lot of schools uh but like small groups help too, because then you have dudes helping one another to create something um, and they don't have to ask you every single thing. So that, that would be my, that's my go-to. I'm wondering if anyone else has a or an answer to that too. Like if there are any writing teachers in here that could help, um, you're looking for little space freckles. She's a great profile picture. She is. Okay, Barb Transformed is asking, I teach first grade and we start tomorrow in person. How am I gonna keep masks on them? Uh, it is, you could scare them to death. No, um, I'm just kidding. Uh, Repeat, remind, that's it. I, I think that's it. Um, just don't get mad at it. My like, students are doing this dumb thing where, and look, I'm gonna be honest with you, it's 100% something that I would have done in high school. They're ripping the masks off one another. So when the teacher's not looking, they rip they, your mask off of you. But they don't even just pull it and snap it? No, no, they're just uh, ripping them off one another. Like they're scalping people. So we had to have a real conversation with them about like, like the, the environmental impact of what you're doing like so this is funny but like let's let's like look at how many if everyone wears a mask a year just one each day that's disposable at the end of an average school year how many masks and then let's look at our school of 500 people or whatever and that how many that is it's it is yeah. it's bonkers yeah. so like can we be smart about this uh i i would it's, it's just reminding kids as much as possible. And to be honest with you, man, like sometimes there's a kid that's in school that I've told 17 times and then he wants to ask me something and then he like pulls the mask down or it's like hanging here or it's like barely on his face and it's like you just run out of steam for it. But one of the things I've been telling kids is, oh, oh I can't. I'm sorry. I'm old and I can't hear you if you don't have your mask on. Um, if you just put your mask on, I'll be able to hear the words that you're saying. So I just pretend that I can't hear them if they don't have a mask on. And it probably works with first graders. It does. It'll be like, <laughs> bro, what? Like your magic mask isn't on. I can't hear you. So and I get it. Like I have a big nose, man. My it's hard to wear a mask all day. It hurts. I feel like it's chafing the end of my nose. I'm gonna start having like one of those red spots. Like you're gonna be real. Oh, like I, yeah, I, like I alcoholics it. have like when they get those like red ends on their nose. Nerves. Uh, do they okay. call that a gym blossom? I don't know. I think we... they do. I think that's where the band's name came okay. from. Let's, Go ahead. Let's get to our next question. John right. Lopez, thank you for saving us, um, is asking, what have your, what have been your success stories so far in your classroom? Uh, you know, John, I look at things like, I'm, I'm going to say this. I know that when I go into school tomorrow, um, one of my, I, I had a former student that was shot and killed last night. Um, or Friday night, uh, was 23 years old, walked out of a bar. Somebody walked up to him when he was on the bus stop and shot him, him and his friend, and he was killed. When I think about, so we'll go serious first and then, I, and then we can take it back from that. But like, these are things that actually happen. And even if it wasn't a shooting, there's some kid that's going through something that mom and dad aren't getting along. Their dog died. Uh, you know, they got left back last year to create spaces in, in school where kids can just show up and feel vulnerable and share what their thoughts are and their feelings and what they're going through for anything is so important. Like when, when we think about all the changes that students could potentially be going through in their lives, 
uh, at any given time because you're constantly developing. It's like it, it's it's creating those spaces for kids to just talk and for us to remember, like, you know, we always say is that uh, your attention is more important than your advice. I think that that's that's a big one. Right. And the other success stories are um, putting kids in charge, like letting kids choose, make their own decisions. So like like whether that's what type of work that they want to do, what type of project that they want to do. Um, their voices being heard in, in class are really, I think, is something that's really important. Um, and then when I think about success stories, really, like Lopez, I think about the kids that just that ha it has nothing to do with me. It's just like kids that at some point get it. They get that like school's important on a number of different levels and that they learn how to play the game and then they can win because of that. Like whenever I have students. So one of the dudes that used to come in for um, all the time was on a show that I had on Instagram called big guy, little car, uh, this guy cheesecake that always sat in the back uh, or cheesesteak. Sorry. We have a new kid this year and I call him cheesecake, but cheesesteak um, was, he stopped up to my school the other day and he's just doing great. Like he's like still doing music, but he's like, working and then building a studio in his basement and he's collaborating with people and he's working around the community and he has a full-time job and he's taking classes at community college. Like he just like, like if you knew his, who he was in his backstory, like it, made, it means so much to see that he's doing something um, and following what, what he wants to do and working on it. Another kid come in the other day, uh, Khalil, that was like, and, I, and if he was on here right now, I'd, I'd say this to him, bro, you were a hot mess at freshman year, right? He was always in trouble. He was, this is the kind of kid that Khalil was. Khalil one time gave a piece of gum to a student that was in my, another student in my class. This kid was a big, strong dude that tattooed our, our area code 215 and giant letters across his hand in the fifth grade. Bro, I couldn't handle if my mom had to take a splinter out of my foot when I was in the fifth grade. <laughs> Tattooed himself, right? So Khalil, for, I have no idea why he would do this. They're in the restroom one day. Khalil gives him a piece of gum. Says, would you like a piece of gum? 215, that's what we call the kid. 215 takes the piece of gum and chews it. Khalil says, how's that piece of gum taste? He goes, fine. Why would you ask that? Because I just had it in my mouth. So then the kid punches Khalil one time. Just bam, Khalil's knocked out in the bathroom, right? Then he gets back from suspension. I go, bro, why would you do that? He goes, yeah, that definitely didn't go the way that I thought. Like, what? What, what was the way you thought that was going to go? So all these years later, Khalil comes back and is, he's, got, he's like working and going to school and doing stuff with his life and in the community. Like, like, it's just, it's these stories of kids like, uh, it, all it is is us creating spaces, us creating spaces and opportunity for kids to engage and to grow into who they are meant to be. Then it's the kid's job to do that, right? There's no cajoling someone into doing something, but that I think those are the success stories I love the most are like when we as a teaching community, school community created a space where this child could flourish and then they took advantage of it and they did it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Never gets old. What you got? There's a, there's a mosquito back here. Uh-oh. Start clapping. Nassine uh, is asking, do you think remote will return? Yes. Uh, Philadelphia, I mean, for some of us, Philly is like, I think it's like three confirmed cases in your school gets shut down for like two weeks or something like that. Uh, moves to virtual. Um, and for Philadelphia, it's like we have the overcrowding schools. Yeah. And like yeah. It's a different action. animal. So like we're not rural or suburban. So right. it, I tell people this, like when they get all weirded out by that, if you think about it, like some of my students have to take, um, most kids are on the bus or, and the train for an hour a day to get to my school for the most part. Many kids have a longer commute than that. So when you're on a crowded bus or train for an hour and then you come to school, it's like, there, there's so much, opportunity for germ transmission while you're coming to the school that we can do everything that we can at school but like we can't handle your commute home and there's no one on the on the bus or the or the train to police that sort of stuff or getting in line at the train and all the other things waiting on the platform and all the other yeah. stuff that happens it's not like you're dealing with like just parent pickup yeah kind of and stuff. it's not or like you you're just outside buses. some kids are on the subway no, and so crazy. 
it's it, there's, so there's a lot of, of things at play, risks at play. So yeah, I think that I think eventually we end up going back. Um, maybe not full time because I think we all saw how horrible that was. But I will tell you this, dude. I met a lot of kids this year that I knew last year that were like didn't do anything, and now to just meet them this year and be like, oh, this is why you didn't do well because you need someone to walk you through every step because you're really shy because you're awkward like you name it. Oh man, if we had had two weeks in school last year before we went to virtual just to meet kids, do you think that would it would have changed? Because I would have been calling dudes out. I wouldn't have let them just fail. I thought, I, you know, because you start making up stories in your head as to who, why you think kids are doing what they're doing, or you hear from other teachers, which is even worse. Um, but you now you know, and you're just like, nah bro, I'm going to call your mom every day and make sure that this is happening. But and then other kids that are just delightful like home was just hard for them and now that they're back they're like literally look like rainbows and glitter are coming off of them when they walk down the hall because they're people wonderful realize we need people man in yep. our life like relationships Pure are thought. important right no product placement here go ahead next question <laughs> all right miss gonzalez is asking you've mentioned that you give quizzes every friday how slash when do you have time to grade all of them and give feedback in a timely manner and not spend all weekend working. I have yes. 180 students. This is a great question. Uh, I think there's a couple of things at play here. So I do, I do assessments every single Friday on whatever we're doing. Sometimes that's just vocabulary. Sometimes that's vocabulary and reading. Sometimes it's whatever terms we went over, whatever it is that week, right? Um, I don't think quizzes need to be long. I think that sometimes we make very lengthy assessments so we can say that we're rigorous but i don't think like rigor needs to be super long so every week you only get five vocab words from me we try and go really deep into those vocab words during the week so that um kids really have an understanding when it comes to the quiz the following week you get five more so they're added on then sometimes there's uh there's like so those just look like either matching and that, that's really for my lower level guys so that they then if you can match it then you have the vocab you then you know what the word is and the definition are right there then there's application so that might look like choosing multiple choice that might look like fill in the blank that might look like um something of that nature but th it's never spelling i don't believe in spelling tests i think they're a bad idea especially when you're older and especially when we don't test or help students with dyslexia it's like why are we testing them on spelling so um then then either I grade them immediately. So like we usually do like uh, on Fridays, it's they come in, they study, they have an assessment, and then we do Weird Friday right afterwards. And Weird Friday is generally a video, and then we break that down and talk about it. So I start while they're doing Weird Friday. Um, sometimes I have other students that like if there's older students that want to hang in my room, there's a you got to pay the toll, bro. So I have those kids help me out with stuff. Sometimes my co-teacher helps me out with stuff. Sometimes I used to do this, but I don't. I don't know the kids that well yet, so I don't trust that they would be do this right. But I'll have kids trade. Uh, I'll trade papers with classes. Not it, like so. Fifth period doesn't just hand their paper to someone else. Fifth period will grade first periods, and then eighth period will grade fifth period. So there's those sorts of things. And I'm not against multiple choice. I know a lot of teachers have a problem with this, but I think that it still applies. And Every major assessment you have to take in your life from state tests to SATs to ACTs are all multiple choice anyway. So I have, a, um, I forget what it's called, but it's like a, a, one of those apps that you can like scan your form and then you scan what the kids do. So my multiple choice test will look like a regular test, but then you're filling out the answers on what's essentially a Scantron form. And I know everyone hates Scantrons because, and I get why and all that stuff, but whatever, like, bro, I, I need to assess quick and, and fast uh, at least once a week to just get a sense of where dudes are. Um, so that's there too. Here's the other thing with this. I allow kids to retake, unless it's only a five word vocab test, you cannot retake those. You can retake any assessment. Um, I will help you with any of it. And assessments are not worth any more. I don't do, I don't do weighted grades. So it is all point best that, um, based. So like a homework assess assignment might only be four to five points. Whereas like, um, you know, 
tests and quizzes will get up to like 30, 25, 30 points. So they're just naturally worth more. Um, but I'm, but I, there's so much other stuff to balance that out that like the kids that just don't test well, like never, you never fail my class just because you're bad at tests. Cause there's so much other stuff that you can be doing to help bolster your grade too. And make sure that you're learning stuff. Our next question is from Sean. I'm in a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks, I'll be starting a long-term subbing job, filling in for a maternity leave. I'm very excited, but also terrified. Do you have any advice? It's English 11. Um, one, don't, don't overdo it. I, I think that sometimes subs come in. The subs that I see come into our school that are like super hardcore, um, super strict. It, uh, it, 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 one creates pushback from students and two, it's just, it doesn't do anything. I'm not saying be super laid back, but there's a medium there. Right. So it's like your, your focus as an educator is to only help students find success. Now kids are in a uh, precarious place where like maybe they weren't in school the last year and a half and now they're back. And now someone's going on a maternity leave already that breaks the consistency. So I would have class go soup, whatever lesson plans you get, have it be super consistent every day. And then as the, from the jump, start getting to know kids. Like if you can even get in there like a couple of days early, just so kids have a sense of who you are and you have a sense of who they are and how things work. Um, <clears throat> any information you can get from that teacher is going to better your classroom experience. So like, how do you do seating charts? How do you do bathroom passes? How do you do whatever they do? And, and then you're going to mimic that because that's what the kids are already used to, right? I would never, ever say to do that if it was your own class, but because you're taking over someone else, you want to make sure that you're you're continuing the flow and it's not going to be this disruptive educated education model where like you're starting something new, doing something new. Um, and then the, the maternity, the, the teacher that's out on maternity leave is going to have to come back and change that again. Uh, so I think that that's part of it. And then, like I said, the other part is really getting to know students. The more you know students, the better off you are. And uh, and because then you know why kids are acting a certain way. You can get them to, you know, buy in more because you you believe in them and you talk to them and they know that you care and that sort of thing. So, yeah, that's how I would that's how I'd roll with that. But best of luck. That's a hard thing to do is show up like, you know, several weeks to a month in and then take over for somebody. Uh, hopefully it's someone they didn't really like because it's, I, you know, that actually that's not true. I, I find that even when I sub a class, you can, you immediately have a sense of how someone else rolled. Like kids are be, are consistently in, like behave better if they're, if I come in to cover a class that they already behaved in. But if I walk into a class that was already wild there, it's hard for me to get them kind of like focused in and on point. Josh is, oh, we buffered. Buffering. Or something. Uh, Josh is asking, my district purchased a new canned curriculum oh. this year. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> its choice of texts are abysmal. I decided to switch out the text on the DL to meet the needs of my students. Oh, man. Is this the right move? Bro, you already know. So look, Josh, I don't want to get you fired. I don't want to tell you to do the wrong thing. Um, I think if you feel confident, look, this is, it's right. Look, it is because look, this is why I don't get asked to speak at every district. Um, because I'd say things like this: if education is only ever about students and what you're being asked to read sucks, then like, how are we supposed to get kids to love reading or to love learning or to love school or to be even vaguely interested in what we're doing if what we're reading sucks? So I think switching it out is fine. That, but that's what I would do. Like, don't do it because I said so, and then like you lose your job. But, but this is why. Like I said, if education is only ever about students and we have to really focus on what students need. Now, there's the other alternative to this is creating secondary texts. So maybe cutting out parts of what you're reading, like still reading part of it, like if that's necessary, but then creating supplementary material. So like I've worked with them. So I'll say that caveat so that like this isn't paid promotion. But listen wise is something that I'm really excited to use this year, which is like podcasts. Um, have an audio component and a written component so students can read or listen to something else that they can, you know, use a, a, as a secondary piece to whatever story or book that we're reading. 
Um, I think using periodicals, like whether it's the New York Times or um, I forget, I want to say, say New York Times is ninth grade level. I think USA Today is a sixth grade reading level, basically. But you're um, finding like periodicals. So you're you're making that that learning, that thing that they're doing in class come alive. But look, let, let's speak real quick to people that can't, right? Like, let's say you get the canned curriculum and you're not allowed to change it. I still think there's ways to sprinkle magic on what you're doing by reading. You have to read that text as an educator and figure out why this is important or what we could do. You have to read it and figure out, like, how can I make this applicable? So then you pull in the real world learning Um and, and figure out a way to make this kind of come alive or be awesome or be fun or be silly. Uh, and then, yeah. And so I think that that's, that's how I would do it is like you, you're looking for ways to um, just shift it slightly so that it's better. But yeah, I, I am, there are things I'm like, even the way, like the version of the Odyssey that I'm supposed to read, I'm just not doing it that way. I just won't. It's terrible. And it's, uh, it's all it does is hurt students because they can't read it. Like it's too difficult for them. Um, there was another book they wanted me to read one year called the 12 tribes of Hattie, uh, which I read and wasn't my jam really, but I would say that, um, but that's not really like, I don't care if something's not my jam, I'll still do it anyway. Um, but it is like, it, like if it's, if the, if it's in the best interest of the students, but I just felt like it was too hard and too confusing. I just didn't do it. I just cut it out and read Fahrenheit 451 instead. So yeah. All right. Next question is from Summer Hayward. Uh, if you feel like the culture at your school doesn't fit your values, how do you grapple with the guilt at leaving the kids? I'm one of the only teachers who let who lets kids be who they are without judgment. I, you know, Summer, this is such a difficult question because I think this is what most teachers. I think this is why teachers, a lot of teachers anyway, stay in jobs that they don't like. Right? It's typically either because they don't think they're going to get another job because they can't get another job or because they stay for the kids. And I would say that, you know, there have been times that there, Oh man, how much do I want to go into this? Um, it's about figuring out if the place that you are is what's best for you, because if you can't do the, be the best you, then, then it's, sorry, there's that mosquito. Um, then you can't do the work that you're meant to do, right? Like, so just comforting children and just being there for them is, it's so important. It's so incredibly important, but it's not the only thing, right? We're there to educate young people so that we can empower them to move forward in their lives and to be as successful as they possibly can. And so if you can't do that at the school that you're at, then I think you remember this. Look, and, and look, some of this is because I'm a person of faith and so I know that like, if I, if I leave somewhere, I have faith that someone else will be put in a position that will help those students, whether that's as an educator or just in their life, someone will show up. Um, but I also look at it as like, wherever I'm going, there are kids that are there that are going to need you. There are kids that are like on a trajectory now that you will meet. Um, and I already see these kids this year for myself that like I've met this year and it's like, damn, like this is why I'm supposed to, like, this is my assignment for this year. Like I'm supposed to be here because this child is here or because this new teacher is here or something like that. Or this parent that I get to like cooperate with now, there are just those meeting points that are, that I feel like destiny to me. And so I think that we are, I wouldn't take on that guilt or that burden too much because this is maybe your time is done on this assignment and your assignment is moving and you need to go to this new place. And there will be, you'll see it immediately. There will be kids in that school that need that were waiting for you that needed you to show up to help them unlock some of the things in them that are going to make them the best version of themselves. So yeah. Or, or the, not even just students, but like the school community, they needed your energy. They needed you to be like unlocked and untethered to be able to be the greatest, you know, Mrs. Hayward that ever existed, but you can only, you can't do that everywhere. Right. It, like you, you just can't. All right. Next question comes from Anne. My emotionally disturbed student has a behavior plan in school and I want to continue it in daycare, but the director doesn't want to collaborate with the school at all. Thoughts on collaboration? Uh, so 
that's so dumb. And I'll tell you why. Like, it's like, I, I, I won't just say it's dumb. I'm really curious as to why that individual would not want to do this. Like it's, it's that, that furthers a conversation to me to the point of like, I'm going to bother you about it. So we, our school made a decision in the beginning of the year that students were not allowed in the building um, until teachers weren't allowed in the building until 630 in the morning. And I have friends that go at 5 a.m. They show up every day. Um, teachers weren't allowed until 630. Students weren't allowed in the building until 745. Right. And th this was not OK. So we just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing because there are constantly shootings around my school. Right. I went to drove. I think I told the story the other day. Drove to Dunkin Donuts uh, last week, two weeks ago. And I had to drive through two different sections where there had been a shooting, two separate shootings that day, right? So being out in front of the school is just not safe. What happens if it's cold? What happens if it rains? What happens if your mom makes you leave? What happens if being at school is the only safe and wonderful place that you have in your day? So there are all these pieces. So it's just like you keep asking and asking and asking and asking because I'm not gonna, I'm not allowed to like let kids in the building, but you just like. Um, you keep pushing until you wear someone down. And I think that if it's for the good of kids and you and like, that's where your courage should come from is to just keep asking. And then if that person doesn't give you the answer you want, like talking to someone else and getting other people to think that this is a good idea too, is you're building a case, you're building a small group of individuals that all believe the same thing. That's how I eventually break things down. And the, I think the other thing is building a relationship um, as much as possible with the person that doesn't that doesn't want to do things the way you know they should be done. Not just the way you want them to be done, but the way that you know is like, this is going to be a problem for kids. So what I would do is like, they said no. What are you going to do now, right? Um, so you build that relationship with them and then you are noting if this is not working for this child like if they have a behavioral plan that should be in place while they're in daycare um what should that look like and then how is this like working against the kid that you're collecting that data so that when you have to go back now you have a, a strong relationship with that individual and you have the data to back it up and you have other people that believe in it so it's like you're kind of building your case so a lot of times when schools or when our school like has changes their mind on something or decides to do something and I know I have to just go along with it for the time being, I'm always collecting data so that when we get to a point where the school's like, this isn't working or this kid's getting in trouble a lot or this is what's happening. It's like, yeah, that's why we should be doing it this way. Here's all the data that I have. And here's, you know, we've already come up with an answer for the problem as a community and all that sort of stuff. So that's how I would roll with that. Next question. Uh, We're sorry. terrible with I'm names. Sorry, I'm terrible with that. Sorry. Uh, is asking, hi, I hope you are doing well. How can a teacher evaluate his work and efforts? What are the measures that would show me as a teacher how I am doing? So, you know, that is a really good question because I think the only way you get better is by growth uh, or is by like, is, is really looking at what you're doing um, and how you're doing it. So it could, you could record yourself because I think sometimes what we look like, one of the things YouTube has showed me is in my mind, some things look one way and in reality, they look way different. And sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad. So like just setting your phone up in the back, um, I, you know, just being mindful, uh, just quick caveat is like, if children are being recorded, you're not using that with any, anyone's permission. Like everyone I ever have on YouTube has a permission slip from a parent or guardian. Um, the other thing is inviting people in, but I give them what to look for too. So I'd say you can watch the whole class, you can observe the whole thing. Um, can you like, these are three things I'm trying to focus on. Could you give me feedback on these three things? And not everyone has time to do that. So maybe you say, Hey, can you come in for the first 10 minutes of this class? I have this pre-class I'm trying to like rock out and a way that I'm trying to do something that I want help on. Can you come in at the end of the period? Can you come in at this point? Right. So that they know that their whole prep isn't going to be taken up by this, but they have 10 to 15 minutes to give to you that you can, um, grow from as well. Some teachers get do student feedback. I don't, ninth grade is not a grade where I want to do that. If I taught older kids or younger kids, I probably would do that. But ninth grade's this weird space that like, you know, I just, 
I wouldn't trust the student feedback. My kids think my class is great because I'm funny or because we get to watch video. Like this is the feedback I get. Uh, I like when we watch videos. I like um, Mr. Reynolds is funny. Uh, Mr. Reynolds is more laid back than everyone else. These aren't things that actually strengthen my, <laughs> you know, ability to teach young people. Um, I appreciate that they say those things, uh, but it's it's always that kind of feedback that I get from kids. Um, so yeah, and maybe even making something that's that like a like some sort of rubric that you come up with that you're just looking for quick feedback from someone, and then always follow up with them. Don't make them write out anything. Go talk to them about how things are going, and I think that helps too. I thought also, also observing other people. That's the best thing I think ever. I did it all. I spent every prep my first year watching somebody else teach. My our, our good old friend Maisha is asking, is it just me or is this school year trying to run a race when not everyone is ready to leave the starting line? Yeah, uh, Maisha, I feel like it's um, sometimes I feel like this is what we do as educators. We put like out a barbell with way too much weight and we go, guys, look. This is how old you are. This is where you're supposed to be. You should be able to pick up this barbell. And kids are going, yeah, but I, I can't. Well, I don't think you're trying hard enough. I think you need to try harder to pick up the barbell. And it's just like, they can't pick up the barbell. Why don't we just give them weight that they can lift and then incrementally bring that up so that they're like actually like lifting weights. It's like, don't just put kids into a marathon. Like let them do couch to 5K first where they're running for 30 seconds at a time and getting better. That is, I think, what we should be focusing on as educators. So with that in mind, um, it is, I I just, I can't stress it enough. And look, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but it's just, it is about creating boundaries. So here's, here's a resource I'm going to give you. And he, he is, he's a Christian, but like you can, and what he says is biblical, but if that's not your jam, like it's a hundred percent worth listening to anyway. There are certain people in that space, like like Darius you. Daniels can, like Craig Groeschel can, um, and this guy, Dr. Henry Cloud has, if you just look him up on YouTube, you don't even have to read the book, like just go listen to a podcast or something. He's really great at talking about boundaries and how we should create boundaries. And when we do that, we're actually strengthening ourselves because then we can create, like school doesn't ever cross into my, my boundary. Like my, I get an email, I get two emails every Sunday night that I'm supposed to read before Monday morning. I'm not doing that. There's not a chance because Sunday is my day to pour into me so that I can show up on Monday and do the best possible job that I can. But like, I can't do that if, um, it, if I'm not, what am I thinking of? It, I, I'm sorry. I can't do that if I'm, if I'm not at my best. So I can't do that if I'm if it's eight o'clock at night and I'm reading about school. That's the last thing I want to be thinking about at eight o'clock at night. At eight o'clock at night, sleep. I'd rather have a beer, watch an episode of The Crown, um, you know, and uh, and go to bed, uh, feel good about the next day, like you know, and then get up and rock my my world. I'm, and I'm certainly not reading email first thing in the morning. That's never going to happen. That's like that's like literally every book about how to be the most effective and efficient and optimized version of yourself says do not read email in the morning every single one so yeah that's where i'm at okay. get hype about that one babe. i know clearly miss gonzalez is asking how many grades are you required per week slash quarter are they all weighted the same so they we are so so our school's doing a thing this year where another new change yeah another new change is they the school moved into weighted grades so there's participation homework i think no oh it's just three participation summative and formative assessments so basically formative assessments is like um everything or summative right i'm getting it wrong i'm having a brain fart but like it's basically tests and quizzes participation and then everything else well that doesn't work and everything's out of a hundred percent so like your due now that used to be worth three points um, is now exactly the same as doing a project unless that project was the, the end all be all was like the giant assessment at the end of a book or something of that nature. It means your homework was worth exactly their homework of, you know, read this little thing and answer these three questions is the same as like 
some large classroom assignment that we're doing, right? So just not figure that kids are going to figure out the workaround. Like I do all my do nows and I do my homework, right? Like that's how I was in high school. They also changed it so that kids can not get, so that a 60% is passing now, right? Not 70%. It used to be 60% is passing and no one can, can get lower than a 50 in a, uh, in a quarter. That means if a kid gets a 90 first quarter, they can literally do nothing the rest of the year. They'll get bumped to a 50, which means they'll pass with a 60 for the and year. They think that kids aren't going to figure that They're 100% out. They're 100% going to figure it out. Yeah. So, um, and we have some of our students only do well in the beginning of the year because of football. And then they they trail off until like basketball comes up and then everyone gets their grades mm-hmm. back up because it's basketball. You're not allowed to play if you fail, like that kind of a thing. Yeah, so, and then we're supposed to know how many assignments we do a week. Um, but they haven't shared that information with us yet. So, and I don't know when it's coming. So I, I do it myself. I, I want kids to know, I, I like Gonzalez, I'd love to even get to a point where I could have all of my assignments in like either on a board already or, or some kind of like already in Schoology or already in the grade book. Um, because what I want kids to see is like, Every week you have this much stuff. Every week there's vocab cards that get counted. There's vocab reviews that get counted. There are comprehension questions that get counted. There are guided notes. There are um, assessments. There are projects, mini projects and large projects. I want kids to see all the opportunity that they have in front of them. And then because what, and we sort of do this because at the end of the week on Friday, I have kids do a weekly reflection, which if you're interested in, it's right on our website at realwrapwithreynolds.com. You go to resources and there's a weekly reflection in there. I want kids to see what are all the things I missed this week. Um, and then, and what's my current grade in the class so that they, they're never, it's never lost on them. They can always see what they needed to do. And so how they can, Chris Carson's favorite word, pivot for next week um, and do a better job. So, so I'm supposed to have all the information, but I don't really, I just make it up myself. Um, and I keep things super, super consistent. Good job, bud. Uh, next, Janway, Janway, I'm terrible, I'm sorry. Uh, so let me say this real quick for anyone that's new. Um, I, both of us really struggle with any time. Hold we vowels. struggle with vowels. If there's a name with too many vowels in it, it's really difficult. If a kid tells me their name in school, it's so important to me that I know how to be able to say someone's name that I literally have to go, bro. I swear to you, I'm not messing around. I really am struggling, but I will eventually get your name. I promise. So I apologize in advance. Uh, is asking any, hello, any general tips about getting hired as a teacher or looking for a teaching job? So I have a video on this. Um, if you go in, it's like, uh, linked it for him. okay, cool. About how to get a job. And then I was also a video I did. I think it's part two, maybe. Of um, there was a two-part series that I did with uh, with the letter classroom that it talks about this as well, like what what we think people should do when they're considering getting hired. In short, I would say this: you want you want you going in for a job interview to to be like this isn't just another job interview that you're going into. You want it to kind of be special. So know about the school you're going to. Know about their history, know about if they won the football tournament last year, know about if they have a great chess team or robotics team, um, have some sense of like, Hey, look, I, I'm coming to your school. And I like, I know about you guys. I'm, I love that. Like, this is this kind of district or you have these in, initiatives in, in, in place so that your students have been found success in these areas. I think that's awesome. And then look for places. So you just do this by going on their website or on their social media, look for places that you might be able to plug in also. And when you do that, you are seeing like where, um, you know, like one of the things I see if I if I am so honored to get a job at your school is like I love um, I love gardening. And so I'm looking at this thing that you all did at, at school or this lesson that was like posted on social media. And I think like, man, it would be so sick to like create this urban garden and like kids are like out there and they're getting their fingers in the dirt and they're learning about like ecology in the classroom and they're learning about it it out, out like in the dirt and um, we're buying, we're creating building. And we're also having this opportunity to like be outside and do stuff with, with the class and all of these sorts of things. Like you're, you are figuring out ways where you plug in and where you can take what they're doing to the next level. Cause you're that stoked to come in. So you're 
you're not just showing up to teach, you're showing up to make this school a better place. I th think that that really helps uh, when you're getting a job. It's going to make you stand out um, uh, and 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 look like someone that that cared. And then always, always, always two steps. One, and this is not my idea. I forget who told me this. It is call the school and and leave a message for the principal or whoever interviewed you after school is closed for the day, because then you will be the first email or the first voicemail that they hear in the morning. And then also, I think writing a, a handwritten card, if you really have really bad handwriting, I would type it, um, but I would not do an email. I would send something to the school. And you can even do that ahead. Like as soon as you're walking out to school, find a mailbox on the corner and drop that sucker in. But that kind of hand that like that that touch goes really far. Um, <clears throat> Julie Rocky is asking, I see a lot of learned helplessness with my students and and school wide. Any encouragement or encourage in, uh, engagement strategies to use now? I love this question so much, Julie, because you definitely see this or students that like um they know so I, I often get kids that like and I'm sure other people have seen these kids that are like they're really cute. Like you can tell, like, even if you like that, they're just adorable kids. They have a great personality. They just look adorable. They come in and they're so kind and nice or funny or awkward or, or kooky in some special magical way. And then you realize that they're on a second grade reading level in the ninth grade. And the problem with that is that your cuteness got in the way of your education, um, that your likability was became more important than someone actually saying, no, no, you can't go on to the next grade or or move on to the next book or the next level because you haven't reached it, you haven't earned it yet. And I think that when charisma gets in the way of education, then we're, in, we're we have a problem, especially when a kid is failing and someone other teachers will go, how are they failing? They're so wonderful. What do you mean they're failing your class? Yeah, because they can't do the work. So I think it is holding a hard hard line and that is gonna that's gonna piss kids off like I'm, i always say that i'm everybody I, I know hands down i'm everybody's favorite teacher the first week of school i have far less approval rating after the second week of school because they don't take things like late work i don't do makeup work i don't if i say that there's no talking during the assessment um and i explain why it's not just some dumb rule that i just came up with because i'm the boss it's because other kids can't pay attention because you kept running your mouth and so when you can't when you do that um and i mean that's how i talk to my guys but like it's teenage boys so it works um i tell them like stop running your mouth bro you gotta be i need you to be quiet you know, i need you to be quiet because everyone else can't pay attention when you're talking so right now i realize that you don't you're not sure what to do with your stuff i can help you with that but by just talking, what you're doing is you're you're making this an offsetting situation for someone that's trying to find success on something right now. And they can't because you're talking. So let's figure that out. Um, but if you talk like if you talk during a test in my class, you just take a zero. You can retake it, but you, you take the loss like a boss. But it is holding that line of kids knowing boundaries. And I I think that kids, they long for that. They don't like it in the moment. But like they long for the discipline, they long for the connect for that, for someone to hold them on their stuff. And sometimes you get parent pushback. Sometimes you get kid pushback. I just don't care. And the, and the reason I don't care is because this isn't about me. It's only about you finding success and I can see where you are. So I'm going to hold you to that so that you can be the best you can be. Um, it's like, if you were in karate, we don't move you up to a black belt. Cause you were nice. If you can't do the moves and I don't know anything about karate except for karate kid, but like, if you can't do the moves, then you don't get to move up in rank. And so I think it's really, really holding kids to that, but you have to remember why too, right? I think some folks will pretend it's about kids, but it's not really, it's about them. It's about them having control. It's about them having, um, holding, you know, court over their class and it's not it's not about that like you're showing up and you're willing to um you're, you're willing to i don't want to quote hamlet but uh i was about to um you're willing to like take the punches that come because you're trying to do this for kids and that's okay i'll take that what you got you want to end there it's two o'clock well, let's do one more okay it comes from julie as well cool she had a great question julie is asking oh. Just took it down. Big, what happened? 
Yeah. I mean, Julie disappeared. Glitching. There's a huge focus on teaching power or high priority standards at my school due to the learning loss over the last past year and a half. How does this perspective impact our state standardized tests? So, look, if we really, man, this is getting, this is getting some stuff right now. Uh, how much of what we were required to do as, as educators is for funding, right? It has a funding piece. There's someone that's getting paid, someone that's making money, something, there's something else going on there that's not just about students. In theory, are state standardized tests there to benefit students? Yes, right? It's We're making sure that no child gets left behind. We're making sure that everyone's on at a certain level when they, when they graduate or when they pass a certain grade or when they're going on to high school or middle school or whatever it is, right? In theory, that's where it is. If you really look at those assessments, is that what they're about? No, they're not. It's not about that at all. It's about, it, it is an easier way for us to hold teachers accountable um, when we're not, after not giving them, well, and that's difficult when we're not giving teachers all the, all the resources possible to help those students grow and succeed at a level in which they would actually find success, right? So to me, it's about, like, I get all that stuff. I get like that we're trying to amp it up so like we we learn we there was all this learning loss so like why don't we just make an insane amount of changes this year make it incredibly difficult for everyone and then look my school loses seven teachers in two weeks so like because people can't operate under that and i think we're forgetting that teachers have been home too like we like your game's a little bit off right like you if you haven't coached a real baseball game in two years and then you go back to coach baseball there's a learning curve for all of this stuff. I find myself like things that were, I can't find files. I can't find things in my room. Like there's still stuff that like I, I still have to unpack because we were mandatory. I had to take everything out of our classrooms. I can't remember where I put everything. Um, and so it's trying to, it's like, then we went from not, like Google Classroom to Schoology to upgraded Schoology to upgraded PowerSchool to, I, to, not using Google Drive to using Google Drive to we're actually putting all of our stuff right here to, to using Dropbox. There are all these different things that it's like, bro, I need a moment to like wrap my head around this. So I think that it's always, always, always about going in, meeting your kids where they are and then scaling them up to where they can be. And look, if everyone doesn't pass the test, that's going to be that's got to be school wide. But what I also would say is that these decisions are not things that we should be making on our own. This is not stuff that I just do or don't do in school. Some of us, all right, that's wrong. That's a lie. Sometimes I do, and I'm the only one. But largely, like, I'm not trying to be like the rogue, like, cowboy out here on the landscape. What I'm doing is I am communicating with other teachers, trying to come up with a plan of attack that's going to help benefit students. But I'm very mindful about that circle that I am a part of, too. So, the people that I talk to all the time in school, are, it's very calculated, right? It's because they're good people, because they love kids, because they have student interest in mind, because they have great ideas, because they can figure out, um, well, we can get like, can we reverse engineer what we need to know? And then we're going to come up with this plan of attack. And that's actually going to get us pretty close to where the school wants us to be. Maybe not all the way, but like in a realistic way, this, we can get kids to hear this year that's the kind of people that I want to be that those are the kind of people I want to plan with. Those are the people that get me excited to go to school that aren't just complaining. Like we do plenty of complaining, but at the end of that complaint session, do we have a plan going forward of what we're going to do? Cause if we don't, I don't want to have the conversation about it. Right. It's not interesting. It's not important to me. So that's, that's what I'm thinking about. It's like when you're going in the school this week, getting real, real clear, on who you want to partner with. And if you don't have partners, it's starting to look for people. And if you still can't find any partners, it's finding them online. And I think something like our Facebook group, um, which is just Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk is a really great place to connect with folks. Find your, your you know, Seth Godin would say, find your tribe there and then move forward with those people where you're creating something that's good for children. And I just think that's really hard for people to say no or to push back when what you're doing is for kids. Um, and if they do push back, screw it. You're doing it for kids anyway. Like that's what you're trying to do. So that's it for this week. Um, it's Sunday. Speaking of boundaries, I'm trying to have boundaries and not go too long. It's so easy to go so, so long on all of these and sit here for two hours. I mean, damn, we've done. You literally could sit here like and just. For the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. But we're trying to like have boundaries and uh, go decorate the porch. 
for fall right now. That's what I'm going to do. So that's it, gang. We'll see you next week. If you need anything else you can't see because my wife won't take down the question that's up there, oh, um, you can go right to realrapwithreynolds.com and find anything that you need. You can also follow us on social media. And look, if this brings you any particular sort of value, please consider uh, – I know like people like keeping uh, things they find to themselves, keeping resources to themselves. But if you do know someone that's really struggling, someone that could use some help, someone that you're even trying to build community with and get some ideas with, um, bring them along with you next week. Tell them about what we're doing here because what we're really trying to do is just help educators. This is all about kids, really, but by and by how we affect the lives of children is by helping to create teachers and spaces for teachers that will help them be the teachers that they were called to be. So that's it, gang. We will see you next week. Peace. Peace.